Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, it's time to wax on, wax off, as Ralph Macchio learns the ways of karate under the watchful eye of Mr. Miyagi in order to defeat the high school bullies of Cobra Kai in 1984's The Karate Kid. While in the blue corner, Kurt McKinney learns the ways of karate from the ghost of Bruce Lee in order to not defeat his high school bullies, but instead take on Jean-Claude Van Damme's terrible Ivan in 1986's No Retreat, No Surrender. The law. First time. Power. Whole body. Make a perfect picture. How do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside of you, always right on. No points or no points. You're dead meat. I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me. In the end, it will be in Daniel's hands. I am pleased to present our Russian brother, Eastern Europe's most feared martialist, Ivan Krasinski! Full Contact Karate, the world's deadliest game, is being kicked apart by the syndicate Soviet mean machine, leaving only one man left to stop him, Jason Stilwell. You've been fighting again. So what? You know how I feel about fighting. No Retreat, No Surrender is a martial arts masterpiece. Never before has unarmed combat been displayed as powerfully as in this pugilistic ring of death. You're good. I get better. No retreat! No surrender! It's some martial arts mayhem in today's fight to the death, so let battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clashbiters. 
pain does not exist on this podcast, does it? No, Sensei. I'm Alex Zane. Get him a body back. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. And that is your lot for today. <laughs> Victoria is away and I imagine absolutely gutted to be missing this pair, especially as I believe No Retreat, No Surrender is in her top five films of all time. She bloody yeah. loves it. It's nestled somewhere between Police Academy and Stripes. Yeah, I think it goes, it goes Police Academy, <laughs> No Retreat, No Surrender, Stripes, and then Picnic at Hacking Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great fun today, though. Great pairing. Uh, it is sort of V's pairing uh, this week because obviously she loves these movies. But Chris, tell us why we are doing this pairing. Uh, because um, Karate Kid is an important film to me. Right. Um, from childhood. It was a favourite when I was a kid and it's always stuck around, really. Okay, um, that covers Karate Kid. Got mm. you. Uh-huh. So, this other movie that we're doing this week, No Retreat, No Surrender. Talk me through it. Tricky to figure out what to pair Karate Kid with. Mm. I mean, we could have gone with the remake. Yeah, oh my God, there is another Karate Kid movie. Yeah, the remake. But, I don't know, an hour of talking about Jaden Smith. Is that as interesting as talking about what we're going to be talking about on Thursday, which is essentially a remake itself of The Karate Kid? Not if you listen to a star of the movie, <laughs> Kurt McKinney, who uh, I listened to a long, long podcast with him. I, I found a podcast that I'd never even heard of where he doesn't totally agree that this has anything wow. to do with The Karate Kid. I cannot wait <laughs> to hear uh, Kurt's defence for that. And yeah, again, it's a film I remember from childhood, not as well as I thought. I, I hadn't seen as much as that film um, as I thought I had. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to go on quite the journey this Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I think you gave me some uh, questionable advice when you said, you know, when you watch No Retreat, No Surrender, probably have a drink, have a bottle of wine, have a beer, have something. Mm. I think if I got even slightly pissed, I would have had to watch it again because I wouldn't believe that was the film <laughs> that I'd seen. I'd be like, I was too drunk. It didn't seem to make any sense. It must have been me. <laughs> a, dream, a fever dream. Thursday's going to be a big show. Uh, but back to today. So the clue you gave us on last week's show was... I have no... Oh, it was Mentor Melee. Mentor Melee. And you followed that up on Twitter with... A video of you and I fighting. Yeah, but you cut it off before I got you in that headlock. And, and you killed like, me. Yeah, you were like, oh, no, please. <laughs> Stop it, Alex. Yeah. Oh, I'm, qu I'm quite... Mercy. Quite hard. Mercy. No, I'm, I'm tough is what 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 I meant there. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows. Just just the boys. It's just the boys. So the guessers were training in our online dojo, aka our Twitter account at ClashPod. We are also on Instagram at ClashPod and Tiki Toki as well. So do you know how many correct guesses we got this week? Was it one? It was one, Chris. Which means what? Just nailed it. Yeah, absolutely the, nailed the, the clues. clues. The clues, man. <laughs> Us fighting in a car park. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing that someone got it, but someone get it <laughs> did. Our winner this week uh, with the first and only correct guess, long-time listener, Russell. Well done, Russell. Your prize is a huge chocolate cake. Oh, very nice. However, you're required to eat it on the street on a very hot day with your bare hands only getting 50% of it in your mouth and seemingly intentionally smearing the rest across your cheeks. I can't wait for Thursday. I was going to say, that's not going to make sense to anyone who hasn't yet watched No Retreat, No Surrender. You're going to have the best time. Let's do the connection section. Uh, there's a, a lot. Uh, uh, I'm not... No shade on you, Kurt McKinney. It's pure coincidence. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities. All right, do the funny ones. Uh, OK, uh, but I've got one. Parents who have weird relationships with their kids... 
Sure. I think Danny's mum is a little bit like, oh, is she hot? What's she look like? Mm, she looks hot. Great. She's trying to be his friend. I know. He hasn't got any friends. And then obviously uh, Tom, Jason's dad. Lot to unpack there. <laughs> Lot to unpack there. Uh, making friends immediately in a new neighbourhood. Men who won't take no for an answer when it comes to their romantic advances, Dean and Johnny. Yep. Uh, fights where the fought over love interest screams the actual line, leave him alone. <laughs> a boy having just been beaten up tells a girl to leave me alone. Okay, yep. A training that seems to be a piss take. Yep, sure. A training montages uh, in brackets a lot. Sure. That, I mean, yeah, that's to be expected. Uh, films that finish very abruptly and almost identically. Yep, yep. Any more? Uh, red leather jackets. Red leather jackets. Who's got a red leather jacket in No Retreat, No Surrender? Uh, think about the disco scene. There's more than one oh red leather God, yeah. jacket. It was ba- 1984. There was a very brief window, thanks to Michael Jackson, that red leather jackets were the thing to wear. I don't think Danny's is a leather jacket. It's more like a cagoule. I have a real problem with that jacket, actually. The one that he's wearing in the second half of the movie. Okay. I'm, t- I'm thinking more of Johnny's red leather jacket when he's on the dirt bike at the beginning. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call, good call. Yeah, I thought you meant the, the, the anorak that Danny, for some reason, wears with a zip-out hood. No, just definitely the leather. And it's, the, you know, it's also on the night that he dresses up when he goes to the country club. It's like, I'm going to a country club. Where's the red anorak? He's not, it's, a, it's a class story. Um, our protagonists talk to themselves quite a lot in mm. both films. That's true. Dan, Daniel just talks to himself a lot. It's like his personality. Yeah. A bit similar to Rocky, another film by this director. Um, and obviously um, our hero in No Retreat, No Surrender might have some issues, I think. Right, of course. We need yes. to talk about that Sure. Scene. We got a, lot, got a lot to get into. But um, I mean, there's a million, but let's just get into it, I think. It's, a, it's essentially a remake. It, not according to company. Uh, so on Thursday, I'll be flashing back to the traumatic experience of sitting through No Retreat, No Surrender, which means today Chris is teaching us the crane kick in Karate Kid. Chris, take us on a journey. Well, there's a very, by this point, a very well-known theory about the Karate Kid, which I could easily have said, but I'm going to turn to Barney from How I Met Your Mother to explain it. Sure, there's a big poster of the Karate Kid above your bed. Hey, Karate Kid's a great movie. It's the story of a hopeful young karate enthusiast whose dreams and moxie take him all the way to the All Valley Karate Championship. Of course, sadly, he loses in the final round of that nerd kid. But he learns an important lesson about gracefully accepting defeat. Wait. So that's the Karate Kid. I mean, there's a famous. Uh, YouTube video that explains this that I think the people who made Cobra Cry watched yep. and turned into a TV series. But The Karate Kid is also about an old man who asks a teenage boy to trim his tree and who then bypasses child labour laws so he can afford a garage full of classic American cars. <laughs> and that's all it's about. Um, so, Alex, when did you first see The Karate Kid? All right, let's do this. Let's get into this. So I... There are certain 80s movies that I have no nostalgia for because I didn't watch them till I was too old. So, for example, The Lost Boys. So many people go, oh, The Lost Boys, The Lost Boys. Oh, I love The Lost Boys. And I'm like, I didn't see it until I was about 25, 26. And so I have no love for The Lost Boys in that nostalgia sense. However, The Karate Kid, I did watch as a kid and I still have no nostalgia for this movie. This is not a movie that I loved as a kid. I just... I just have no love for this film. And okay. I watched it again. And that's all I'll say. I have watched it again. Mm. That's my cliffhanger. Okay. Uh, I deeply, deeply loved The Karate Kid when I was a kid. Um, 
I liked it so much that I made a Daniel LaRusso headband, bandana thing. Wow. And I would go shopping with my mum wearing the bandana mm. um, and do karate around Sainsbury's. <laughs> and it still fits. And I've got it here. Oh, my God. You, uh, this is... It, and my head hasn't grown since then. Does it still fit? It's, oh, my God. You look the spitting <laughs> image of Ralph Macchio. <laughs> it's it's uncanny. So yeah, um, I was a big Karate Kid kid, and then Karate Kid Two came out. I was buying the action figures. Oh my this God. is my Daniel Larusso. You can't see this, but I'm showing it to Alex. Uh, he still chops the ice. <laughs> he can still kick his leg. Bang! It's like he's doing the can can. Uh, yeah, this still sits on my shelf at home. You're not joking then. You absolutely loved The Karate Kid. I loved this film. Um, I liked the sequel, hated the third one, d didn't get into the fourth one. The remake was fine. But I even signed up to YouTube Red so that I could watch Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai wasn't a Netflix show. Yep. You YouTube launched it, um, made it to launch a, a subscription service. Mm. I signed up so I could see that show. And it's good. It's good. So, yes, uh, I'm a big fan. Mm. You see, both these movies, as you're fully aware from us working together, I dislike both of them because they contain a lot of feet, uh, a lot of feet touching faces as well. So it's uh, it's a very these are very troubling movies for me because I, I find feet disgusting, mm. and and yet there they are, they're everywhere, they're on show and touching people, they're touching torsos, arms, hands, faces. <laughs> It's gross. Okay. Well, I will keep my feet uh, firmly encased in my shoes for the rest of this podcast. Thanks. And I will only get them out in the pub. Don't do that either. Uh, so the making of The Karate Kid is actually, it's a lovely story. Everyone had a lovely time. It seemed like a very happy experience for those involved. Mm. Uh, they still love this film. Uh, obviously, they're making some money off the back of it now. Certainly Thanks are. to Netflix. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a little about this lovely story. Um, Sports Illustrated did a great oral history of it a few years ago. I'm going to dig into that. And also, uh, there's great interviews on uh, the DVD. But it's Robert Mark Kamen, mm. who came up with the idea, the screenwriter. Um, he took up martial arts after getting jumped by a gang of bullies at the 1964 World's Fair in New York. Wow. Yeah. So in, in itself, that's a story. That is a story. I didn't. I, I don't imagine you'd want to go down to the World's Fair for some bullying. There's so much no. on show. Yeah. That's the future. Nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, his earliest instructor was a truculent marine captain who preached raw violence. Great. Uh, but then he branched out and discovered Okinawan uh, Goju Ryu, a defensive style designed to turn aggression on the aggressor with smooth blocks and sharp counter strikes. Uh, he trained under a teacher who spoke little English, but who had learned directly from the founder of Okinawan uh, Goju Ryu, a sense say named uh, Chojun Miyagi. Ah, so that's where we get the name mm. Chojun. So that story Miyagi. Was, Miyagi. That, Miyagi. Yep. <laughs> you make a joke. Uh, that story was in his head for years and then um, Jerry Weintraub, the famous uh, studio head producer, had optioned an article about a nine-year-old kid who earned a black belt. Uh, this was a child who kept getting beaten up by bullies on his block and his mother was a single parent and he asked to go to karate school. He got a mentor there. Uh, the mentor took him under his wing and he was able to fight back. You see this... Uh, does it really work? I've always questioned this idea that just because you know karate, like you're not going to be able to fight off five bullies in both these movies. Like karate seems to be able to sort of outmaneuver just higher numbers of enemy. Mm. And I, I mean, 
Maybe is is it true? Did you ever did you find out if it's true that you have to say I know karate three times before you use karate? That was the myth at our school. If it's not a myth, then it was a fact at our and, school. And you have to declare your hands as lethal weapons if yeah. you're a black belt. Right, pretty much. It's like if someone goes, "I'm going to fight you," you have to go. I know karate, <laughs> and then two more times, which means that they will have struck you before you've got to time yeah. number three. Well, I think I think that the point with the karate kid is they do try and apply some logic to why Daniel can defeat these guys. It's because Crease only teaches aggression. Mm. Uh, that's all those boys know. Whereas um, Miyagi teaches the aggression, but also the spirituality. And unless you have that balance, you won't be able to win. So they're, yeah. they're, they're applying some logic. It's obviously a fantasy. It's a fairy tale, but... I, at least I think they're trying to explain it. Agreed. I mean, I think Crease maybe you know people from his dojo stand a better chance. If 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 this wasn't a movie and someone went, this old dude is getting someone to wax their cars. This other guy is going. There is no pain in this dojo. No sensei. I'm going with the second one as mm. the winner every single mm. time. I just, I think the training, the connection I made, the training seems to be a piss take. I refuse to buy in to the idea of him going, wax on, wax off, mm. and that somehow translating into Daniel being shit hot at karate. Well, if you watch the end of the movie, you'll see it does. It do- so Yeah, fine. I mean, yes, it does. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bridge too far for me. Uh, fine. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Let's talk about the casting. Uh, and in that Sports Illustrated article, I'm going to post some of these. They've got the uh, photographs of all the original um, casting calls they did, all the notes they made. It's fascinating to see who could have played who. Uh, but for Daniel, uh, Matthew Broderick, Emilio West, Fisher Stevens, C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Nicholas Cage, Anthony Edwards, although written next to his name is too tall, um, Eric, <laughs> Eric Stoltz, Chris Penn, Charlie Sheen and Robert Downey were all on the list of people they saw. Wow. And I think That's they were a ve- big list. I think they were very interested in Robert Downey Jr., who I think would have made a, a bit more of a likeable Daniel, but then I don't, I don't know if that would have worked. I think part of the point is Daniel's quite a difficult bloke to get on with. You, oh, sorry, this is, this is, that's quite a big statement. So you love this movie and you've just brought out a tiny little Danny LaRusso doll and yet you don't think Danny is a hugely likeable character. I think there's probably, I, I think he changes over the course of the film as all good characters should. Right. Um, I think at the beginning, yeah, I think it's tough to be friends with Daniel as Freddie discovers. Like strongly disagree. He's nice at the start of the movie and by the end he's like, but I could beat the shit out of him, right? <laughs> Because I want to, so put me back in the room. No, because they'll never leave him alone. That's not what Mr Miyagi says. Mr Miyagi literally goes, you don't have, you, it's about respect. You've earned the respect to these people. You don't have to fight. Yeah, you don't Mr. have to Mr. beat Mr Miyagi has to change your heart at the end. <laughs> Fucking get them. <laughs> <laughs> They've literally tried to put you in a wheelchair. It's time. Um, but they like Ralph Macchio so much for it that they changed the name of the character. He was originally called Daniel Webber. Okay. Uh, Cast Macchio and he became Daniel LaRusso. Um, Cayman said that um, he met Ralph Macchio and thought he was obnoxious Hmm. Uh, the first time. He said, um, I met Ralph, no musculature, skinny little string bean of a kid, not particularly coordinated for martial arts. I showed him some simple blocking and punching moves and he couldn't do them at all. I said, that's perfect. We have a kid who knows nothing. I wanted a wimp and Ralph is the ultimate wimp. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, But Macchio talks about that as well. I mean, he's he's too skinny. He was a dancer, not a fighter. Mm. He found it very hard to learn these moves, whereas um, Johnny, uh, Billy Zabka, was an athlete who came relatively easy to him. 
Yeah, yeah. And also, Ralph does look uh, like the child of Elizabeth Shue as opposed to her, <laughs> her lover. They're the same age. She's younger, actually. Yeah, but not not by much. I think they were both couple 21. Couple years. No, I think, it's, I think she's a couple of years older than him. But either way, the point is, like, it's a, it's a, it's a, as a couple, you just, yeah. she does look like his mum. Yeah. He says that him and all his family, his children, his parents, everyone, you have to add five years on to how they look. Right. Um, but yeah, as soon as they put him together with Shu, there was, uh, they said it was an unlikely couple, as you're saying, but there was, there was something between them. Uh, it felt like it worked. So in that first audition, um, they told him to go and take karate lessons. Okay. Um, for Miyagi, the studio wanted Toshiro Mifun, uh, the very famous uh, Japanese actor. Um, he's on that list. I believe he auditioned. Uh, he didn't speak any English, but they said he was very frightening, um, a big name, very dignified, and just he was too terrifying for what they wanted from Mr. Miyagi. Um, also on that list, our old friend James Hong. Oh, yeah. wow. He would have done a good job. He would have been great. Uh, Pat Morita was pretty much the last guy they wanted. Uh, they didn't want a foul-mouthed stand-up comic who was on Happy Days. Yeah, they said he was too much of a, a comic character. They was mm-hmm. like they only saw him as a, a as a humorous guy and they wanted someone slightly more spiritual and serious. Yeah, he was quite a dirty comic, actually. It's quite sad when you watch his humour. I think I've, I've talked about this before. His nickname was The Hip Nip. Right. And and his humour, I, I watched some of the videos, it's it's awful, really. It's It's laughing at his own culture and his own people. Um, which is, you know, I've recently saw a documentary, Lenny Henry saying the same thing that he had to do that first time he got on English telly. It's just, you know, some comedians who aren't, you know, white have to poke fun at themselves and their own people to to get ahead in the game at the beginning. Um, But he said when he sat down to play the role, he read it, he said, I don't know where the voice came from or the presence came from or the spirit came from, but it just sort of emerged from me. And they said they looked through the lens and he was the character. They couldn't they couldn't imagine anyone else playing it. And also they had humour on the page, but he was able to take this humour to a different place. Yeah. Um, and Ralph and him immediately hit it off. They've got this real chemistry. Their sparks are flying. Um, uh, Pat, it's so sweet on the commentary they do together. Pat, uh, Marita always calls him Ralphie. <laughs> um, and he says it was better than a marriage. Uh, that's Worrying. (laughs) Um, As for Johnny, um, Crispin Glover came close to getting the role. Uh, Very frightening man, Crispin Glover. I can see it. A (laughs) hundred percent. But like you... Yeah, you can see him being frightening, but frightening weird. Whereas Johnny is frightening Jock. Yes, like you can't job, yes. you can't imagine Elizabeth Shue like Ali going. Yeah, no, I was with Crispin Glover. It's like why? Why were you with him? <laughs> where is, <laughs> Bi- where is what, Billy? What, what was it? The warmth. <laughs> Whereas Billy Zabka is the ultimate specimen, isn't he? He is beautiful, blonde, muscular, asshole. Yeah. The guy that would get the girls at school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. perfect hair, you know, part of the country club. Yeah. Yeah. And Billy and, and Zabka played this role over and over again in the early 80s, which is, I think, is one of the reasons we haven't seen much of him since then, because he just got so completely typecast mm. that you couldn't see him doing anything else. And and what he's bringing to Cobra Kai is really fascinating, actually, because he's, he's such a well-rounded character now. And obviously they, he's sort of the hero of the piece. That, mm. um, Yeah, there's a lot going on with him. But he says his audition was at the Columbia lot. He said it wasn't a friendly environment. I didn't want to sit in the waiting room. So I went and sat in my dad's um, red Volvo station wagon and cranked up some rock and roll until they called me in. Um, a week later, I read with Ralph. Afterward, I hid around the corner outside until it was almost dusk. When Ralph came out, I said, hey, how'd it go? He says, everybody was really good. I told them you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> 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 it, sounds, it sounds like he's already praised 
see. So I hid around the corner <laughs> and I, I waited for him to come out and then I jumped him. Well, this is more disturbing. On, the, on, the, on one of the interviews on the DVD, he says that I connected with Johnny so much, I didn't have to act for this. I knew this character. He's basically me. That's, that's not good, Billy. That's worrying. <laughs> that's not that's good, disturbing. Billy. Although, I mean, as that, as Barney says, as Cobra Kai posits, like he does say, he saw um, Johnny as a guy that was seriously wronged by Daniel coming to town. So I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to come clean because I know you told me to watch it. I watched the trailer for Cobra Kai, mm. so I haven't seen Cobra Kai, but I get the gist, and it looks like he's really funny in it. He's really funny. It's a, he's playing a guy who. The kind of guy that Bruce Springsteen always writes about, the jock who was number one at high school, mm. and that was as far as he got. He never left town. He never moved on with his life. He never moved up in the world. It never got better than when he was 18. So he still dresses the same way. He talks about the same movies. He listens to the same music, and he's a complete and utter loser. Yeah, the reason that I am definitely going to watch it after the podcast that would have made it a useful thing to do yeah, is, <laughs> is the bit in the trailer where he, the kid, I'm sure the young kid who he, Johnny ends up training, gets thrown on the bonnet of his car, and he goes, hey, watch the fucking car. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm into this. However, I watched this knowing that that was the story of Cobra Kai and I'm afraid I, I just, I, I cannot fundamentally buy into this this alternate narrative where Johnny is wronged. But it's, it, is, it is a controlled and persistent form of bullying that him <laughs> and his like moron mates uh, like do. Uh, sure, and and to be fair with Cobra Kai, Daniel Larusso doesn't buy into it either, mm. and so that's they're constantly bl- um, hitting heads against each other because of that, okay. and so he's he's presents the other side of it, which is no, these guys made my life a misery. Mm. Um, so. Um, yeah. Also, apparently, he says he grabbed John Avildsen, uh, the director, in his audition and threw him in his chair. Um, and he said he apologised to after he apologised to him afterwards, saying sorry that wasn't Billy, that was Johnny, and he got that's how he got the part. Mm. So pr- pretty much, if uh, anyone is auditioning, any actors, uh, uh, just uh, just act mad like a, a mad person. Uh, Crease, uh, the other part of this oh. uh, of this triangle slash square. Um, Martin Cove was told he had a week to prepare for this audition, and then later he was told to come in the next day. Uh, he was so angry, he brought that to the audition, a bit like Billy Zabka. Um, he told Avildsen he's an asshole for cutting his prep time, and then he went right into it, and Avildsen said you could feel the crease coming off of him. <laughs> um, and so uh, they cast him on the spot, and then they brought this guy, Pat Johnson, in to train them all, and, and Cove says, I got the attitude for my character from Pat Johnson. I used his keys. I used the way he stood with his hands on his belt. I became the Darth Vader of the karate world. Uh, Johnson says, I trained him as if he was my equal. He just stood in the background when I was teaching the Cobra Kai's. He'd watch me pound them into the ground. You guys are worthless. Get down and do 50 push-ups, you punks. And, and um, that's how... Cove treated them. Zabka says, if I was doing something sloppy, Pat would grab me and twist my leg. If I turned my back at him, he'd sweep me to the ground and say, never turn your back on anybody. And that's what Cree- uh, Cove became as Crease. Wow. Um, Avelson wouldn't let him smile throughout the film unless he was grinning menacingly. Yeah, he does do that. Yeah, yeah he said he wanted darkness and evil from this man. Yep. And he, I mean, he is genuinely evil. It's what really helps his character is the photograph of him in the Green Berets, I think it yes. is, at the start where he's posing with the gun and the step, there he's smiling and mm. it's, that, it's that smile where you're like, I get it. That one photo, the fact the camera pans over that one photo is such a great introduction to who that man is. We uh, witnessed his entire Vietnam experience in Cobra Kai. Wow. Yeah. Should we talk about the film itself? 
Yeah, I just, uh, I know where you're going to start with this film and I don't think uh, we included it as a connection, which seems insane. Did you do their moving towns? I don't think we did it. That's the most obvious connection. It's kids moving towns. Kids moving towns. Mm. And that's how The Karate Kid begins. Um, I'm starting with a section I'm calling The Bullied Kid, though, because mm. uh, as you said, New Jersey to Los Angeles um, to live in a dump. Um, did you recognise the old lady in their new apartment? Is she the librarian from Ghostbusters? No, oh. she's um, the nan from Happy Gilmore. Oh, yes, yeah, she is. She's yeah, funny. Yeah. She, yeah, weird to bother introducing her and then never feature her again in the film. It's just for a cheap gag mm. because she pretends she knows where he's from. Yeah. She's figured it out and she's actually been told. But he gets water for the dog. Save the cat moment early oh, on. He does something good. nice, doesn't he? Very good. Um, and then he goes looking for the maintenance guy who's trying to catch flies with his chopstick and fix a faucet. Um, but he's too busy. So he says, after, after. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to him. But like, he's just arrived in this new town. He's just arrived mm-hmm. in uh, LA and he does immediately make a friend, uh, which mm. is very, very similar to No Retreat, No Surrender with uh, <laughs> RJ. <laughs> RJ. Yeah. Going to be talking a lot about uh, JW Fails. Good. Real name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but his friend here doesn't stick around as long as RJ. Mm. Which is a really interesting thing. But we haven't got to that bit yet. Or do you no. want to jump to that bit no, right now? we'll get there. We'll get there. Because first we've got the party on the beach, playing football, seeing a girl. This mm. is the Californian dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're eerily reminiscent of the campfire sequence at the start of Jaws, if you ask me. Uh, it's, you know, two people who don't know each other casting eyes across a campfire with the yep. ocean in the background. Yeah. It's like... Freak me out. Although it hasn't got um, the keep em ups with the football, and I can categorically state that doing keep em ups in front of a girl does not impress them. <laughs> it's my own. It's the only skill I've got in life is keep em ups. And have you tried to impress a girl with them? I'm probably, yeah, uh, probably at some point mm. at a party somewhere. Mm. Were you dressed as you are now with a Cobra Kai t-shirt <laughs> and a Danny Larusso headband on? Because this is incredible. Uh, it's a contradiction, isn't it? Mm. I, you can't wear this and this. Pick one or the other. Um, uh, well, th- that's the trouble now. It's complicated because of the series. But no, it's got to be Miyagi-Do. Although, I mean, hanging around with Daniel. Do you really have a problem with he's, Danny? He's quite annoying in uh, he's quite annoying in Cobra Kai. They've okay. made him they've made him not that likable. <laughs> John, Johnny's the, definitely the hero. Um, so this dirt bike gang shows up. Um, Avelson said when he was writing the script, he spent time in the valley, and this dirt bike culture was taking off. So he he wrote that into the script. Um, they're all blonde. They're all Aryan. Hmm. Um, I guess visually it's so they're the opposite of Ralph. But I mean later on I've got a quote from uh, Martin Cove that suggests they were thinking about them being Nazis. Oh shit. <laughs> um, but um, we learned straight away that, that Ali broke up with Johnny. Yep. Uh, but he didn't break up with her, essentially. That's what. That's how it's put. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, Which is let- a real fundamental difference. I mean, just to, just to once again give uh, credit to Kurt McKinney. <laughs> Dean, in No Retreat, No Surrender, Kelly is not into him. They have never <laughs> been a couple. Whereas here, uh, Ali and Johnny definitely a were I mean, a couple. Nah, I'm pretty, pretty sure they say they're a couple in No Retreat, No Surrender. No, they're, He's they're, misremembering it. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're in love. Um, but we later, it's been over for weeks between these two. So uh, Johnny breaks uh, Ali's radio. Daniel picks it up. Johnny shoves him over and they have this fight. Um, Daniel punches him in the face. Johnny shows no mercy with the three-hit combo and they literally bike sand into his face. Mm. It's not kicking sand. It's bike it into his face. And that is when Freddie is out of there. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I think he's the real villain of this piece. Honestly, is he in Cobra Kai? Because <laughs> he, so. he's, he's a massive dick at this moment. They brought he, everyone back, so he will be back. He is the nicest guy to Danny. He's like, let me help you with the suitcase. I was expecting the old switcheroo there, like he was going to try and nick the suitcase and he was yeah. a bad guy. But no, he's full on Freddie. 
friend mode. Yeah. And then suddenly, because Danny gets beaten up, it's like, it's it's not because they're scared of Johnny and his gang, because that would be the most obvious thing to do. Mm-hmm. Shit. They've made, he's made an enemy of Johnny. We don't want any trouble with Johnny, so forget this kid. They're just laughing at him. They're like, oh, you made a friend who can't fight. It's like, what on earth? Is he thinking that Daniel is, Daniel's one of these guys who's just going to bring this shit on himself. He's bought this on himself here. Mm. He, he has, he's the first, he's run at Johnny and Johnny has actually dodged him the first two times. Mm. Um, Johnny's trying not to fight him to begin with. And then it's only he's pushed over the edge and that's when he shows no mercy. Yeah, and he doesn't say, I know karate three times, which <laughs> is, it's a, it's a rule. You have to. Um, so they get to school. There's a bit more football. Um, maybe I was thinking about this this week. Maybe it's why I connected with there's so much football in this movie, which you don't normally see in American films. Yeah. I felt like, oh, it's like me. It's, a, it's our second week of weird references to football in movies. Cliffhanger, you've got Craig Fairbrass, yeah, admittedly yeah. a Brit, talking about soccer. Yeah. Uh, and here, football again in an American film. And I, I, I sort of, I never, th- it's just weird. I didn't think soccer was, or football, sorry, Chris, was a mm-hmm. thing at all in America at this point. This is 1984. Um, kids played it, play at school in America, and uh, girls play a lot more than boys. Right. It's only now it's starting that a some, I mean, not many boys are playing it when they're a bit older because it's still not a leading sport. It's it's starting to happen there. Okay. McConaughey just um, launched his football team in Texas, in Austin. Oh, did, did, was it, uh, uh, here we go. This is this is one of those moments where it's like, do I have any football knowledge that I can introduce to? I might just roll the dice. Is uh, David Beckham on, on a Miami MLS team? Indeed, he does. Oh, God damn Nailed it. Yeah, boys. Nailed it. Um, you wouldn't have got thrown out of this game, but Daniel gets thrown out of the game. I'm sorry if someone trips you, that's part of the sport. Daniel's bringing it on himself again here, trying to fight. Wow. Um, so. It uh, feels almost blasphemous to be wearing a LaRusso headband while slagging off Danny. I'm just trying to present both sides of it. Is is Daniel bringing some of this on himself? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. All right. Uh, he decides he's going to learn karate. He goes to the Cobra Kai. Uh, Kreese is there, the US Army karate champion. Um Martin Cove is immediately feels like a force of nature in this film. He's yes. not in it much, but he sort of casts this very long shadow over it. Mm. Um, I was thinking this time, he's a bit like Fagin. Yeah. We, 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 you know, takes these children under his wing, uh, impresses them, they look up to him, and then he makes them do his bidding. Manipulates them. Manip- master manipulator. He's well, a very broken man. I've got a lot to say about the end of this film. Okay. Good, good. Uh, so they all bow, and then Daniel sees that Johnny's... Part of the Cobra cry. Johnny gives him that shit-eating grin. Mm. Yeah, again, like no retreat, no surrender. The second in command, Dean Ramsey, Dean shooting star Ramsey, eh, no retreat, no surrender. He's sort of the the next one down from the the sensei, and it, here it's uh, it's Johnny. Yeah, the, the the way the dojo's presented and look, and even that scene when he grins at him, it's the same. Mm. But th- there's there's no connection between the two films. No, nope, it's nope. not a remake. No, no, Kurt McKinney uh, is very clear that he thinks they were both being written at the same time. <laughs> Uh, some nice stuff with his mum, whatever. Uh, but then he's on his bike and he gets knocked down a hill. Uh, we see a fence here for the first time. That's coming back later, that actual fence. Mm. Um, but when he gets home, I think Ralph Macho's really good here um, when he's crying to his mum. You know, this bully kid who says, I just want to go home. I really sort of believe where he's coming from and I feel for his mum and I feel for him. Yep. Agreed. This is where he tosses his bike in the trash. Yes. Yeah, he's really great in the scene. Yeah, it, really feel, it feels real. Authentic, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and yet, Daniel, he's either determined or stupid because he's not going to give up on this girl, even though he knows it means he's going to take more beatings. Love, I mean, I love think... It, I, love is love, Chris. I, he's, <laughs> he's, he's in love with Ali. 
I would have walked away by this point, even if it was Elizabeth Shue. You wouldn't. If it was Elizabeth Shue, you I wouldn't, wouldn't have. No, if, I would have died for her. If Elizabeth Shue <laughs> was impressed with you doing keepy uppies, are you fucking telling me you'd have walked away? Bullshit. No, not not in a million years. I'd be taking her off to some tropical place to yep. kiss her under a waterfall. Yep. That's a beautiful moment. I, I'm looking at the time. We've been talking too long. Let's take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk bonsai. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Bonsai! <laughs> We're back. Oh, bonsai. Bonsai? Bonsai. Well, later we'll flip reverse this and it'll be hilarious. Um, so, yeah, the, the, this is some of the stuff that you're not expecting to see, I guess, in a teenage action film is... I don't think you can call this a teenage action film. There is very, very little action in this film. But what action there is is very exciting. There's not enough. Um, so, old man tri- uh, clipping bonsai trees. 
with Teenage Boy. And it's just very sweet, him describing how to do it. Nice little asides there, though, when they're walking out and he goes to his mum, he gave you the best one. Mm. Little nice bits like that. Lots of little sweet... And, and, and the look on... The look on Miyagi's face when he just turns and sees Daniel really concentrating doing it and he just mm. sort of smiles like a proud uncle. Yeah. Um, I think that's what makes this film is all those little asides. Uh, so Halloween's coming up. Um, he goes to speak to Miyagi. Pumpkin's in the foreground. The shower's in the background. It's already there. Yeah. So can we discuss this? So Daniel goes, he doesn't want to show up now because obviously, you know, he's scared. At this, yeah. at this point, he's scared because Johnny, the whole Johnny thing has escalated and he no longer, like, trusts himself around, like, Ali because he could get beaten up. He's high. Yeah, he wants to be invisible. He says, I want to go as the invisible man. Yeah. Which means he wants to go to a Halloween party inconspicuously. Yeah. A Halloween yeah. party where you can wear a mask. That's potentially yeah. what people do at Halloween parties. Would you go, I want to be inconspicuous, almost invisible, and go as a massive fucking shower? I mean, it's a strange choice, but it's it's kind of invisible. No one can see who you are. It's the only thing you can see no, in the can't, frame. Can't, it's a massive shower walking tell, through a party. They can't tell how tall you are. They can't figure out if you're fat or skinny or no, Why nothing. Why are you defending this shower situation? This is un, undefendable. I went to a festival. Indefensible. I went to a festival a few years ago uh, where you were supposed to wear costumes. And uh, a friend of mine wore that. And this was abroad. He had to get that on a plane. Shout out to Rav. Um, it, it proved very popular at the festival. Everyone wanted to get inside that shower. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. That's and funny. it works on Ali. <laughs> Ali can't wait to get in. Um, which is where we have an issue with, with Daniel again. Uh, Ali, This is mad. Ali, I'm just presenting both sides of it. Ali invites him outside. Mm. We both know what that means. Yep. What? What? I don't know. It means to show me some more keepy-uppies. <laughs> um, and so he's going to go outside with her, and then he gets sidetracked by his war with Johnny. Jo- Johnny is ignoring him. What is Johnny doing, Alex? He's rolling a doobie uh, while listening yes. to some great music on his Walkman. Yeah, I mean, take the headphones off if you're rolling a joint. You need to be, have your wits about you if you're doing that at school. Of course. At school? It's just a strange thing for Johnny to be doing, because at this point you sort of think, I mean, it's not, but it is. Like You sort of think of Johnny as this athlete, like so committed to karate hmm? and the idea that like if uh crease found out that he'd smoked to join but he'd be kicked out of the dojo he would kill him right um i agree and i'll be honest it's the first time i've noticed he's rolling a joint and mm. the amount of times i've seen this film i've never thought about what he's doing because i'm so into what daniel's doing yeah why when johnny gets sprayed with the hose yeah so uh, he puts the hose over there yeah. i mean on the commentary it's it's the screenwriter the director it's pat and it's ralph they're all admiring the balls on daniel here it just doesn't seem like the smartest move. It's a stupid thing to yeah. do. But also, why when Johnny exits the toilet cubicle, having been soaked, and there is another person in the toilet, stressed, I think, as Spider-Man, why does he not go, did you just do it? He like he, 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 What, Johnny has this sort of preternatural sense that it must have been Danny. He knows that there's only one person in that school who would do that to who him. Would dare do that to him, right? Yeah, because okay. he's the toughest guy in school. No one messes with Johnny apart from this new kid. Right. Poor old Johnny. Uh, so this is the chase, the fight against the chain link fence. Um, mm. And this, you know, I watched this when I was six, probably for the first time, seven. This is terrifying. Yeah, Johnny's, Johnny is going to kill him. His friends are frightened, as you mentioned earlier. One of them is. Um, he, he, he's told to stop, but he's been brainwashed. One of them says, what is wrong with you, Johnny? And it's it's frightening. Um, so how on earth are you ever going to argue that Johnny is anything other than the villain? Because right here, 
He's the villain. He hasn't been pushed this far. He's been, it takes uh, a lot to go, I'm probably going to potentially break his fucking how, neck. How I've just said it to you, he's been brainwashed. This is, this is what I'm saying. All right. I'm claiming. And so uh, this got pretty nasty on the set. Um, uh, Ralph got kicked in the head here. And that's when they realised they should probably use stunt doubles a bit more than they were. And um, the actor uh, who was doubling for Mr. Miyagi broke a guy's nose. Really? Uh, here, yeah, one of the Cobra Kai guys. So, yeah, this was a pretty hardcore day for them on set. Uh, but as I say, Miyagi jumps in and saves the day. Mm. Yeah, it's hilarious because uh, Ralph, <coughs> Danny, tries to climb over the fence. Uh, mm. He can't get over the fence no. in time. Mr. Miyagi then climbs over the fence mm. and defeats yeah, them. That, that door must be... And then throws get little Danny over his shoulder, just opens the gate. Yes. It was open the whole time. The whole time. The whole, the whole time. time. But you have to have a knack. Right. Yeah. Daniel also changes which shoulder he's on. I noticed in that scene. <laughs> Wait till we get to the pint of beer that Tom pulls in the bar in No Retreat, No Surrender. <laughs> yes, but I'd expect it from that film. I feel like they've spent more love and cares gone into this. Right. Uh, so, right. That was the, what was that? The, that was the bullied kid. We're now into a section called the training kid. Um, so he wakes up uh, having been knocked out and says, where did Spider-Man go? Um, because he can't believe Mr. Miyagi has taken out the Cobra Kai they spent a lot of time on this tea scene uh, and it was all in one shot because when they're rehearsing he liked this master and it felt like such a real moment it's got a lot of exposition but it feels I think it's just very natural between the pair of them this friendship does feel genuine as you said authentic and so it's easy to hear sort of exposition um, in their voices and so he's explaining fighting is always the last answer to your problem and as as Cayman says on the, on the commentary like this is when our first plot point kicks in this should be at 15 minutes but we put it at 45 minutes in this film um, he asks him to train him mm-hmm. uh, Miyagi says no refusal of the call then changes his mind immediately yeah that's interesting so uh, <laughs> what, 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 45 minutes does it come yes 45 minutes yeah Kurt McKinney's argument is looking weak, seeing as exactly the same (laughs) plot point happens where Jason gets trained by the ghost of Bruce Lee at 50 minutes in in No Retreat, No Surrender. Can we stop pretending Kurt McKinney's argument holds any water? (laughs) Um... So he start. We start hearing Miyagiisms. He says karate is in head and heart, but not stomach. I, I, what does, I don't know what that means. Oh no! <laughs> I thought he meant it was head and heart, but not belt. As in, he was like, ah, you see, this is interesting. Mm. I thought he was because I think there'd just been a conversation about them being black belts or. or oh, he okay. asked. He asked for a belt, and and he asked him what belt he is, it's, and he says canvas, canvas to yeah. hold up my trousers, yeah. and he pisses himself. Yeah. Three ninety five from J C Penny. Yeah, yeah, it's a good joke because I believe the belts were like an American. I'm not sure about this but i read somewhere american invention because american no. kids needed something to work towards whereas really it was this more spiritual thing from japan no i the, the thing is here though he goes he goes uh, i read it which i thought was a really clever thing that the film has done by going it's in your head and it's in your heart but it's not on your waist and by sure. undermining the entire belt system yes what he's saying is that we, Danny doesn't need to progress to black belt in the movie because over the time frame of this movie that would be insane sure he can I, never become a black belt and we're gonna steal one yeah yeah which <laughs> undermines it earlier but I, I, I guess it doesn't but it's that whole thing of going look the belt system's bullshit I can teach you to be a black belt without you needing to go through all the grades yep 
Yeah. Clever. Clever. Um, so they head down to Cobra Kai where they hear Crease explaining mercy is for the weak. Um, the, the idea was it would feel mean when you walked in there. And you do get a sense of that, the opposite of that serenity you feel in Miyagi's garden. Mm. There's a real tension when you walk in this room. Um, Why does Miyagi own all those cars? Uh, I do not know. Okay, That's why I said it in my intro. Right. It's questionable. Okay. As I said, he's, he bypasses child labour laws and maybe he's making money through sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I like this scene. Chris keeps calling Miyagi old man. <laughs> he calls him a pushy little bastard. Mm. Um, and Miyagi suggests the tournament here. Leave the boy alone till, till then. Mm. So he makes the deal. And um, they head back to Miyagi's house. Uh, gives him the headband. Uh, that's something that Pat Morita came up with in rehearsals. Brought a headband to rehearsal, put it on. Whoa! You mean we could have had an entire version of this film where he doesn't have the headband that you were wearing in the studio right now? Amazing. And I probably wouldn't be wearing it now if it wasn't in the film. (laughs) We can only dream. (laughs) Uh, And now we get kind of a mini movie, uh, I I, I thought, watching it this time. It feels as long as a movie, sure. The the training. Mm. Uh, Wax on, wax off, we start off with. Yep. Um, and then uh, we get some scenes, Miyagi yeah, meditating in front of something. There's this air of mystery around him. I like the way they slowly reveal who he is. Yep. Um, we get the date, um, which to sort of seven, eight-year-old me seemed like the perfect date of all time. They go to golf and stuff. Hmm. They play golf. They do some air hockey. Uh, they go-kart. They trampoline. They take photos with each other. It just looks like the best. It does. And the end of the date, it's very, it really does tap in to what would absolutely embarrass the shit out of you at that age. At the end, when the cool kids, the rich kids are there with their car and you're with the date, your date, who is part of that clan, but you've been picked up by your mum. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. I used to, I used to be embarrassed in my mum's car when I was a kid. She had a a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. And obviously now, in hindsight, I'm like, pretty cool. Very cool car. Mm. Very cool car. But at the time, I was like, no, it stands out too much. You need to drop me as far from fucking school as possible. And then I'll walk in. So I actually get this bit. Yeah. No, I think we we could all identify with it. Just Mm. that feeling of embarrassment. That feeling of... It does give you a real sense, this film, of of him being the outsider when he meets her parents. It's not just the school stuff. I think everywhere he goes, he, he is out of place. And I think we can all identify with that at some point or other. Yeah, I'd forgotten about this whole sort of class aspect of this movie yeah uh, it was, I was always like no they're just bullies and he's the kid the new kid I thought was new kid bullies but I didn't yeah. remember any of yeah, this they stuck everything in there uh, he's standing the deck next um, and then we've got a man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything mm. Daniel does it on his fourth go Yep. It's funny. It's funny. Miyagi's, uh, Miyagi's anger there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, painting the fence. Uh, both side. Uh, Daniel's starting to lose faith. Miyagi heading out in a Hawaiian shirt. I wonder where he's going. Don't, isn't that so clever? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just by the addition of the little flat cap and the yep. Hawaiian shirt, yep. you're like, what does this guy do for fun? Yeah, we think he's lonely, mm. but he's, he's not. He's got a life. I can see him. I can see him at karaoke absolutely nailing it. <laughs> can you not? I don't know. I saw it's. I, it, it looks like he's going to somewhere where he's going to drink drinks that have umbrellas in, and yeah. it sort of goes completely against what we've been told about Mister yeah. Miyagi until this point. Yeah. Him having a great time with a, a you know, an electric blue drink with a cocktail yeah. umbrella in. Yeah, but he has got this cheeky sense of humour. Mm. You feel like there's something else going on there. Uh, uh, Daniel's back the next morning. He's 
sign telling him to paint the house because Miyagi's gone out fishing. Come, Miyagi comes back in the evening and says, you missed the spot. Uh, Daniel's livid now. He leaves, uh, but Miyagi orders him to come back. And then uh, Miyagi does this hand rub thing yep. where he fixes his shoulder, um, sort of setting up this magical aspect of him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a bit questionable that. Um, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not convinced by that. No. it's it's It feels... It doesn't need to be there, I think, is the weird thing. It's like, I it's, mean, I guess it does at the end. No, no that's what I was gonna, I'm going to say that there's this term that Spike Lee uses called the magical Negro, where someone who's foreign or other, there's something otherworldly and magical about them. And it's sort of, you know, it's it's read in, in the film version of Shawshank Redemption. And yep. it's, in fact, it's a lot of Morgan Freeman characters. And so by making him magic, it sort of others him in a way that I don't know comes with, but it does pay off really well later in the film. So we'll get back to that. But this is, you know, as far as Cayman's concerned, this is the moment of the movie he's written where you suddenly realise that there's this magic trick that's been played on Daniel. It's been played on us, the audience, that he's been training the whole time. Um, He says, concentrate, look in my eye, lock wrist, and Miyagi attacks him and he defends. Um, He wasn't just building this muscle memory. He was building his ability to take punishment. And... I think what's interesting here is there's there's so much great music in this film. They don't use any music here. It's just silence. No soaring score. We just have the sound of him hitting mm. and defending and blocking. Great. And so tell me, that is the entire training section done because it feels like it's been going, going, going on a while now. Mm. He's, he's been waxing on, waxing off, painting a house. He's no. sounded at a, a boardwalk. So now we're, we're got, done, right? Yeah. No, because he's learned how to defend. But oh. he's, there's no, no attacking happened yet. We've got to get to that place where he's ready. Okay. Because I feel like I've been watching him him train sort of for a long time. So I'm sort of ready for a climactic His battle. arms are ready, but his mind aren't ready for him, for him to punch. That's unfortunate. Okay. So now we're into the third and final section, what I'm calling the karate kid. Okay. Because now he knows some karate. So we've got this Bill Conti score, which I really love, um, of shots of them on the beach training. I know, I know you said earlier you wanted more training. Yeah. Uh, we see him learning to balance in the water um, while Miyagi's doing the crane. Up in the... denim shorts. <laughs> it's insane. Who goes in the sea in denim? I mean, do I have to say it was the 80s? But I don't think even in the 80s... Yeah, like, everyone did. Look, you go on a beach in denim shorts, which is also <laughs> stupid, and this is this comes from a man who's wearing very, very tight denim jeans, <laughs> as always, on a sweltering day in the studio. But the sea is the is next-level insanity. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, Daryl Vidal is the actor who's doing uh, The Crane, uh, playing Miyagi. He played him earlier. Yeah, I figured he that. He played him later. Yeah. Um, and he's the um, Asian guy from the tournament at the end. The, the the only one that looks like he can actually do karate, oh. yeah. For here, they put a bodysuit on him to make him look heavier and a bald wig. And honestly, I didn't realise until watching it this time. I mean, obviously, you can't imagine Pat Morita can do that, no. but uh, he does look like him. And so, yeah, that's our guy who really should have won the tournament at the yeah, end. Yeah, totally. He, he's probably the actual karate kid. Um, but he explains the crane technique here, Miyagi, if, if do right, can no defence. So um, that's setting stuff up. We got that scene at the Encino Country Club where Johnny sees Daniel and then goes in for a kiss and Daniel does that really bad spaghetti fall. <laughs> I don't care how badly you fall in someone carrying spaghetti, you don't get that much down your front. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't see Ali slap Johnny. Um, and this is when also Miyagi, uh, he comes home to Miyagi, who's drunk in his army uniform. Good pissed acting. Is it? I quite like it. I mean, it, it, it got him, there's no doubt it got him his Oscar nomination. Mm. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Well, sure. I mean, it's, 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 we learn his history. We see him sad. We see him vulnerable. 
Um, it's a really powerful scene, isn't it? I mean, it's a tragic past he's had. He lost his wife in childbirth. Yeah. Um, and you realise at this point, obviously, Daniel is like a surrogate son to him. Yeah, yeah. We learned that he was in an internment camp. He fought in Second World War and won a medal. Um, for valour. For valour. Uh, this is the scene that the studio and even his editor, the editor of the movie, wanted to cut because they felt it stopped the movie dead. Uh, but as uh, the director, I wasn't said, it's the only moment of Miyagi being human and fallible. And it's also, they felt it was important to see Daniel maturing into a man. He's sort of realising that this isn't all about him. This friendship, suddenly he sees Miyagi as a person, mm-hmm. not just as a mentor. And he takes care of Miyagi here. He supports him, he covers him up. And then when Miyagi's passed out, he bows to his master. There's this genuine respect now. And it's now's the moment. He's got to take what he's learned and apply it. Here we go. So he's got to grow up. Mm. Is this the, is this a tournament now? Because is it? Have we done the bit where he stands on the bow of a rowboat? No, he's now ready uh, to learn to punch. Okay. So he punches. So he's still training. He punches Miyagi. And there's a scene you might have liked here that, that got cut. Have you heard of Mr. Hashimoto? No. So we get a scene where Daniel's punching um, uh, Miyagi in a, a baseball catcher's. Yeah, it's protection, a protection. Yeah, yeah, it's it? a catcher outfit. Yeah, a guy who goes behind the back. Uh, originally, that was a training dummy that Mr. Miyagi owned, made out of a broom called Mr. Hashimoto. Its hands would wiggle around, and there was a hydraulic unit inside it that would sort of fight you, and you would fight back. Apparently, it never worked. Mashio said it made an appearance in the third film, and it still never worked. It was too slow, and it looked looked as corny as it sounds. Wow! So we could have got Mr. Hashimoto here. <laughs> I think I think we dodged a bullet. Uh, we got the birthday scene. Um, where uh, Miyagi gives him... Uh, they seem like genuine friends now, and he gives him one of the cars. Uh, Ralph Macchio has that car to this day. What? Yeah, still owns it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes up in, in Cobra Kai, so I'm guessing it's the real one. Are you not referencing the fact that uh, his mother has literally not been present in this movie for about an hour? Don't need her. Okay. He doesn't need a mother anymore. Uh, he does mention her here, though. He's sort of like, oh, sh- shit, yeah. I was meant to meet Mum. You've got to go see her. Cut to Mum? No. No, we don't cut to mum. No, I imagine there was some stuff with her cut, and and, and there were a couple of fight scenes as well, cut or, oh. or bullying, well bullying scenes. Oh. Um, and I think you know, I'm saying that it's it is Daniel's bringing some of this on himself. I think some of these scenes, uh, the Cobra Kai, are a lot worse. But they, I think it was just getting a bit repetitive. Certainly, I believe there's one where Daniel Johnny puts a blueberry pie under Daniel. I don't think we need two scenes of Daniel getting food on him. No. Nope. So, uh, so they were cut, and I, I wonder if some of the mum stuff was cut just to get on with it because um, Ali's pissed off with him now because he well, yeah this. It gives it gives Ali a bit of agency here, though, that uh, she's not going to stand for any shit. She stood for shit from Johnny. I just feel like it makes her more of a well-rounded character. Sure, but as far as we're concerned as the audience, the last thing Danny saw was her kissing Johnny. Admittedly, Johnny yeah. forced himself on her, but like you're not that like, you know as the audience that Danny had left before she slapped Johnny. Mm. So it's just a little bit weird to watch at the start that. She's pissed off with him. And it's until her friend goes, no, you missed the best bit where yeah. she slapped him, that it undoes it. But that first bit, you're going, whoa. Well, I think her argument is talk to me. If you obviously don't know me. If you think I'm, I'm getting off with this guy, I told you we're not together. We aren't together. Mm. Um, you didn't give me a chance. And so I think that's what she's upset about. But he apologises. She accepts it. And then he eats her face. <laughs> that's not how you kiss. 
isn't it? I mean, I probably thought it was when I watched this, but that's terrifying. Yeah, this whole bit's a bit weird. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, another uh, connection between uh, this and No Retreat, No Surrender is kids who act like 50-year-olds. Uh, they act like they're adults. This whole bit where he sort of sneaks up behind her or the bit where he sort of stands in front of the shooting range and goes, ah, you got me. It's a dad joke. It's like this is a kid who's meant to be like pulling. He's quite a weird kid, though, don't you think? They're talking to him. The little aside he does to himself, he sounds like almost Groucho Marx. I think I think there's some, something in his personality that's Some of them are good. A bit off. She says earlier on where she's like, Ali says, uh, yeah, we've been broken up weeks. And he's like, Weeks? One week? Five weeks? What does that mean? <laughs> and you're like, well, that's kind of funny. It like, gives him some personality. I mean, here he says he lets her drive because it's the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a funny joke to hear now. Uh, but then we're in the All-Valley Tournament, mm. Alex. Yeah, finally. So we've trained for what feels like an hour or more. Yeah, not enough. Um, and uh, he's told he's dead meat by Steve McQueen's son in the dressing room. Did you know that? The guy with the bleached blonde hair is McQueen's son. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he looked a bit like Evan Peters to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so how they shot this, they actually organised a real tournament for the crowd to watch. And they shot their bits in between. So they were getting some real crowd reactions. Clever. Um, and I hadn't clocked it before. There's an amazing tracking shot here. When they arrive at the tournament and it follows Daniel and Miyagi and Ali all the way through the floor, um, the kids bump into him, the camera rises and you see the whole tournament in action. And it took 36 takes, apparently. And this is where Martin Cove uh, told the Cobra Kai kids, I want you to march out like your Hitler youth going through a parade. Walk right past Pat and Ralph as if they're the enemy. And you can kind of see it. Yeah. Um, uh, Zabka says he saw his mum crying in the stands because of all the booing and he had to go and reassure her. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Matteo says he loved it because he said it's a dream come through, going uh, to come true going into a tournament knowing you're going to win the fight and everyone's going to cheer you on. Um, so the fighting, it's not the best fighting in a martial arts movie. It might not even be as good a fighting as in No Retreat, No Surrender. It's but the, not. The camera gets right in there in these scenes. Um, as I said, Pat Johnson is the ref. He's the one that taught them, choreographed this stuff. He's the stunt coordinator, the fight coordinator. And then we get um, You're the Best Around by Joey Esposito and a montage. Mm. What a montage. Um, that song wasn't meant for this film. Oh, was it not? That song was written for Rocky Three. <laughs> I guess the Avilton links there. Avilton obviously directed Rocky. Uh, Joe Esposito says, this seems to be my signature thing, the Karate Kid song. Uh, they actually want that song for Rocky Three. There's a line in the song that goes, history repeats itself, try and you'll succeed. In Rocky Three, Mr. T beats Rocky, gets the title, but Rocky comes back and wins it at the end of the movie. That's why that line's there. The Karate Kid, there's no history repeating itself. <laughs> I don't know why you're so annoyed, Joe. Joe. This has worked out fine. Uh, but the Cobra Kai really look unstoppable here. Yep. Uh, again, they're like a force of nature, a bit like their coach. Uh, he's, he's, Miyagi says, not, you're not here to win, you're here to survive. And those aren't those aren't helpful words. Uh, we get to the semi-final where, where Johnny is brutal and he's dominant. Um, Daniel's semi-final uh, is against Bobby mm. uh, and he's told, I want him out of commission. Uh, and this is when he does the flying kick to the leg and he gets disqualified. Crease uh, smiles. And, um, this- yeah, this is, the, this, is, this, is, this is quite an important bit because this is where... You see that Crease really is the real villain here. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, the yes. Cobra Kai boys, as you said earlier, have been indoctrinated by this man. They look freaked out and they look terrified yeah. when they're seeing what Crease is 
capable of and, and what, what he's he, asking of them yeah yeah, yeah. and but they're too frightened to not do it mm. so um daniel's got 15 minutes to return um no need to fight anymore but daniel wants that balance he wants the balance that miyagi's told him he needs so miyagi sees this this is quite a nice moment isn't it where uh, obviously you know ali his mum mm. mr miyagi are there and you know they're all being very very caring for him especially ali and his mum and he says look i want you to all leave and Ali leaves, his mum leaves. And he goes, no, not you, Mr. Miyagi, just just the girls. I just want them to leave so, you know, we can have some bro time where you can tell me that I'm indestructible. He's got, he's got, he's got an important thing to say, though. He just wants his special magic hands. That's what he wants. And boy, does he get them because uh, he claps them together. We know what's coming, but then you get the, the Bill Conti score starts up now. You've got two minutes of this score from here until the end, and it just makes the movie. Like with Rocky, Alvison says this the scores that Bill Conti writes for me does so much work yep. that I don't have to do. And so um, he's back, and the ref shakes his head. I've said this before. Some of my favourite bits of films are when people shake their head when they can't believe what someone's doing. It's the moment in uh, Rocky when uh, Balboa gets up and Apollo Creed can't believe it and shakes his head. <laughs> I just love this shit. Uh, but he's on one leg now. Um, but he's matching Johnny he's in, and he's beating him. So what does Creed say? Uh, I can't remember. Sweep the leg. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course he does. Sweep the leg. And there's a great bit of acting from Billy Zabka here where he's scanning him. He's just looking from side to side in his eyes, trying to figure out if this guy's for real, trying to figure out if he can get out of this situation, trying to figure out what he has to do. And he has to do it. So is it an illegal move to sweep the leg then? Or is it just bad the, sportsmanship? A lot of the rules here are just made up. Right, okay. Don't worry about the rules. No, but even within the confines of this film, it's sort of Johnny is punished or booed at least. I mean, I understand the booing. Yes, I, sure... the idea is that this is he's going to lose a point for it. It's, it's, a, it's a slightly cheating move. Right. And then to do it on top of someone who's already clearly got a broken leg, mm. that's why he's getting booed. Okay. So... Um, yeah, it's as if he's, as Zabka says, I'm thinking, who are you and who have I become here? Uh, but he's programmed for no mercy. So that's what he does. Although this is the first time I've noticed I can hear someone in the background shouting, Johnny, you're a cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair enough, I guess, because I get a lot, of these, a lot of those people there will be rooting against Johnny because he's the school bully. Yeah. But anyway, he goes back in. Uh, Johnny's battering him and then he elbows him in the leg. This is when we get the, uh, the, the, the line, get him a body bag. Uh, the actress says that says it's my most famous line I never said that while filming I looped that in two months later I was in the recording booth with John and he said he needed two seconds or something I said get him a body bag <laughs> on the first try John said that's going to be a classic you'll never be forgotten because of that line that's seeing ahead but it's true <laughs> and he says it's still part of the culture 35 years later there's seldom a day when someone doesn't say to me put him in a body bag <laughs> and I say back it's get him a body bag <laughs> <laughs> and we're on to the crowd um, in the script, um, the crane is described as all happening on one leg. He's standing on one leg, he kicks him with the same leg and he gets back onto that leg. Uh, turns out that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you can only do it by dropping the other foot. And so, obviously, they had to figure that out. Oh, no, stick some wires on little <laughs> Ralph Macchio there. If I'd seen that, this would have changed the movie for me. But as they said, if this doesn't work, the film doesn't work. And when you watch it back and um, on the documentaries, they, they show in slow motion a couple of times. I mean, you cannot see... The how it's done. It looks like he's kicking him in the face and Billy Zabka sells it so brilliantly with the way his head snaps back mm. and then you've got the Bill Conti music crescendoing. It's just, it's the ultimate way to end a fight. Mm. And um, and what, it's over. What does Johnny say at the end though? 
He um, runs up to him as he's getting the trophy. In fact, Johnny's the one who hands him the trophy. He does isn't hand he? him the trophy. He's yeah. the one who like forces his way through the crowd and says something like, "You deserve it, Danny," yeah, yeah. or "You're the best, Danny." Like something like as yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's climbing down. He's climbing down. Um, he tells him he's all right. Is what he tells him. You're all right. You're all right, Larusso. As he okay. hands him the trophy. Yeah. You see, because I think at this point, I think this is this is this is where the real argument for Johnny not being a bad guy is, sure. which is the fact that it's all crease and Johnny yes. is like just no doubt. just like doing what he's been told to do, indoctrinated to do, programmed to do, and so that's why I think you can add some weight to the thing and the fact that having been beaten in a tournament and like you know where this is your life and still find it in yourself to go, you know, you are all right, Larusso. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big moment for him. It's a good moment. It's a good moment. Um, I th- the ending was going to be different here. So everyone runs on. He gets the trophy. His his, his girlfriend's there. His mum's there. Um, he shouts over Mr. Miyagi, we did it. And it ends with Miyagi smiling, which makes me think about the Rocky ending, really. That's, well, isn't that how it ends? Though? It ends on Mr. Miyagi's face. Yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, which, as I say, reminds me of the Rocky ending, where it's ending on Adrian and her love for him yeah. rather than who's... It doesn't matter who's won. Right. The win is... The friendship he's got with Miyagi, the win is the love Rocky's got for Adrian. Um, but they had to then get that shot because that wasn't the ending of the film. If you've seen the beginning of The Karate Kid 2, that was the ending of The Karate Kid. So he's in the shower, he goes outside and Crease goes to attack Daniel LaRusso. That's how Karate Kid 2 starts, outside the tournament. Well, it literally carries on from the very end of Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the next minute. And Miyagi stands in the way and Crease goes for Miyagi and Miyagi dodges out of the way and Crease um, smashes his hand through a car window and cuts it up. And then he goes back and he tries to punch Miyagi with the other hand, smashes that hand through a window and he's got these two hands covered in blood and Miyagi and Daniel just walk away. And so that's how this film was going to end. And that's the start of Karate Kid too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so happens good. after that? Uh, they end up going to Okinawa. Crease uh, is no longer a part of it. Oh, okay. It's, it's about some historical stuff with Miyagi. And then Rocky, uh, sorry, Karate Kid 3, Crease is back. Okay. Trying to, trying to break and brainwash Daniel. And Daniel gets brainwashed by Crease without realising it. It's by one of Crease's mates. Whoa! It's a terrible film. Oh. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, they, they just realised that, it, I think it was it was Macchio said, people are going to be getting up from their seats and putting their coats on when I win the tournament. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. And so they had to then get a new shot of Miyagi smiling back and, and ending it on him. It wasn't going to be that. So uh, I think they got it right. I don't know. You sort of do want a comeuppance for Crease. Crease is like we've discussed. But it's throughout. not about that. Yeah. It's not about that. All right. All right. Um, so and that's the end of the Cry Kid. That's all I got. That's it? Yes. Alright then. So, Alex, what is your uh, favourite scene? It's the fight between Johnny and Danny, because by that point you do need Danny to win and beat Johnny. You've spent a Film watching Johnny beat up Danny in various different, possibly too many, different ways. And finally, we get that crane kick. And that crane kick is... Would have been better if he'd done it and landed on the same foot. I didn't know that was an option. But as it stands, it's still my favourite moment in the film. Even with all my not massive amounts of love for this movie, I can appreciate the the fist-pumping moment that that is. Okay. Um, You? Uh, it's tricky. I've got three, but as you pick Crane Kick, you can have that. I think it's great um, that the moment when you realise the magic trick that's been pulled on him that he can fight. It's a it's a it's a great reveal. But Wait, I, which bit? 
when he when he realizes that the, oh, the wax the, the training what, what, yeah what, what the training's the training, all right, been right, for right, yeah. i think that that sends a shiver up my spine when i watch it and i'd love to remember what it felt like the first time i saw that when i wouldn't have known what was coming because mm. it seems obvious now mm. but i didn't know uh but i'm gonna go for the you're the best montage it's just that combination of music the way it's shot it really gets me in the mood picking a montage yeah, in a sports movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, actually. Not All a right. terrible thing to do. All right. MVW, most valuable whatever. You go first. Well, this reminds me of Rocky in that I think it's really hard. I think there's a lot of contenders. Um, I think the script is one of those ones that gets taught in screenwriting classes because it does everything it's supposed to do. Mm. Um, I think Abwardson nails the direction. Martin Cove, I love. Mm. Uh, I love Bill Conti's music. Pat Johnson choreographs the hell out of it. The pan pipes. So what now? There's some great pan pipe action in this in this film. Okay, but um, I miss the pan pipes. But I'll take your word for it. Yeah, when he's on the beach training, that's beautiful pan pipe music. Okay, it's the one and only time pan pipes weren't annoying. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Pat Morita. I think it's a really beautiful performance. Um, it's a beautiful character. And yeah, I just, it stays with me. He did so many films where he played this character. Um, but this is the only one where I think he really, I don't know. He captures something magical here. Okay. Uh, you didn't mention Ralph Macchio. No, oh. I think he's fine. I like him. I like okay. him. I do like him a lot, but I think they were better contenders. Yeah, well, I, I, I had two. I said uh, in my notes, I think Ralph Macchio is great. I think Danny is really likeable. I know mm. you think uh, he's... I don't think anyone calls him Danny. Do they not? No. That would make sense because there's a Danny and a Johnny and that doesn't work No, everyone me. calls him Daniel. Okay. Or Daniel Sam. Shows how many times I watched this film. My brother thought his last name was Son. <laughs> <laughs> he also thought the three members of Bros were Matt, Luke and Goss. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Uh, I'm picking Pat Morita as well. Uh, mm. I just, uh, you know, I don't think it would be the same movie without him. I yeah. think, you know, James Hong's a really good call as an alternate. Yeah. As we said at the start, I think he could have been good, but he owns this. He's just brilliant. Like, you do want to be his friend. And it's a weird thing for a kid to sort of go... I'd like that old man as my best friend. Mm. But you watch this and you go, that would be amazing. And that look at the end, I'm glad they captured that because that's the moment mm. you go, yeah, man, yeah. you did it. They you went back and found out. it. Mm. You are the best around. Yeah. Uh, so um, there's two for Pat Morita. Yeah, and Vicky would have picked him as well, I reckon. Uh, if you could change anything, what would you change, Alex? I think it's the 40 minute, and I've, I've, I've rounded it down to what I think is about 40 minutes. The 40 minute training section of the film waxing cars, painting fences, sanding walkways. If you're going to have that, and every time Danny keeps coming back to the house and it's something new, and they don't even rule of three, it's not like waxing cars, sanding walkways, painting fence, and then boom. Here, you've learned something. It's like two more other things. It's like there's just so much. What I think in the middle of that, and it goes back to what you said, which is there isn't a massive amount of action in this movie, especially not compared to No Retreat, No Surrender. Mm -hmm. I think there should be a moment in that 40 minutes where there's an exhibition match with Cobra Kai and, like... Um, Mr. Miyagi goes, listen, we should go and check out, you know, what the opposition looked like. We've never really seen them fight. You know, they've beaten you up a few times, but this is a tournament. There are rules. Let's go watch. And so they sneak him to an exhibition match. And then you're like, oh, fucking hell, they're good. And so it ups the stakes because suddenly even Mr. Miyagi is like, shit, these guys are good. Plus, we get an action sequence where we get to watch some karate mm. in the middle of this training sequence. So it's not just painting for four hours. Yeah. So I'd like a bit more action. You want more aggression and less spirituality like Crease. 
A little bit, You're yeah. You're the crease of this podcast. I mean, I, I sort of understand where crease is coming from. A little <laughs> sure. bit. Sure. All right, I'll have the same because I've realised I forgot to write a change Yay! this Yay! <laughs> mine wasn't even that good. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, all right, that is the end of Karate Kid. Obviously, we're not doing a quiz this week because it just won't be fun. Uh, I mean, the result would be the same if we did it with just me, uh, as it is most weeks, uh, me winning. Wow. Whoa. You're trying oh. to wind her up and she's not even here. Oh, my God, that empty chair. Oh, the look I'd be getting from that right now. Uh, so no quiz this week, but instead we're going to look ahead to next week's choices. Uh, it is uh, Victoria's choices next week. I, I, it doesn't matter. It just... I know, I just... She's not going to be here, so we're doing it without her. Right, so anyway, next week's, cho- next week's choices. I'll do the clue, and the clue is thus. They're right, little terrors. That's all I got. They're right, little terrors. Two movies, that's the clue that links them, and that is it for this episode. We will be back on Thursday. <laughs> Apologies in advance. <laughs> Talking... No retreat, no surrender. Until then, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about us. If they love movies and they love old movies and they love clashing movies, which might be a weird thing to love, but come here, join us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. We're also on TikTok. Speak to you Thursday, which will be a truly memorable show. Until then, bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.